0: What's up everybody and welcome to episode 82 of the Talking Chop Podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. I'm actually coming to you guys a little bit early on Sunday. In fact, the game is actually still going on. So, if you're wondering why I'm not covering what happened on Sunday, it's because I don't know what happened on Sunday. I have a, a difficult recording window today, and it's not going to let me record after the game. So, uh, here I am, and it's actually just me on today's podcast. We've had, we've had a bunch of uh, guests in a row here for the longer shows, and uh, just the schedule is pretty tight today. couldn't uh, Couldn't wrap that up, and going to be gone until uh, very late into the evening here on Sunday. So, without getting too deep into the schedule. Of just my, my, I guess my personal schedule. Uh, that is the reason why you just have me today. It's probably going to be a shorter show, um, but we're still here to talk about the Braves. And obviously, in the coming weeks, we'll have plenty of wrap-up content on the 2017 season. Where uh, obviously we're in the middle of September now, so only a couple of weeks of bat, of uh, baseball to play, I should say. And uh, with that said, we have plenty to get to on today's podcast. Um, a couple of things of note that actually happened this week before we get into some mailbag questions. Uh, the schedule re- was released for 2018. And when, it's kind of a kind of a visual thing. You want to be able to go go through and like kind of look at it, check your own calendars, more more of that kind of stuff when it, when it comes to planning your trips to SunTrust Park, etc., etc. But there are a couple of just big picture takeaways that I got from the schedule release. Of course, the opener is going to be March 29th at home uh, this year. Obviously, the Braves did not play a home game for about two weeks at the start of the season this year. No long wait. It's going to be the actual season opener um, at SunTrust Park uh, against the Philadelphia Phillies, which is interesting and kind of cool. Obviously, have to have a divisional game to. Open things up will be fun. Um, then the Braves will go uh, actually and open up Coors Field uh, with their uh, with their first real road trip uh, to Colorado. Uh, the Rockies will be playing their home opener, um, and that'll be interesting because, because obviously the Braves uh, it's, it's just sort of a weird place to play, and uh, you know that that early in the year kind of a challenging uh, spot to go to. It could be cold, also could you could get into, get into uh, some uh, adventurous situations in Coors Field in April, um, especially early April because it could be chilly and breezy and potentially snowy, and that'll be a lot of fun if, if things get weird, although it. Could has neg- it has negatively affected the Braves in the past when they've gone to course Field early on in the season or places that are a little bit colder. But still, uh, that's a, that'll be sort of a fun game. In the interleague play schedule—it's uh, it's the NL East this time around. So Tampa, Boston, Toronto, Baltimore, and of course the New York Yankees uh, will be the opponents. Uh, a little bit sort of more traditional in that sense. Uh, not not you don't normally have those fun uh, West Coast games necessarily. No, no Mariners this year. That kind of stuff. Uh, none of, none of the stuff with the AL West, but uh, the AL East uh, probably have some bigger crowds at Central Park because of that. Obviously the fan bases there are pretty significant in the NL East, and the, the Yankees of course will pack things out as they always do when they come to town. Uh, last thing there. if if the playoffs end up being a thing that actually matters uh, for the 2018 race it's kind of early to tell on that without getting too deep into it I don't think that um that's necessarily overly likely, but you know there's a long way to go between now and then. So if the playoffs are, or if or at least the playoff series is sort of a uh, a factor there, the Braves will be playing only one non-National League East series in all of September next year. So it'd be a lot of divisional games. Um, I can't imagine a scenario where the Braves are favored to win the NL East, but if they're joc- jockeying for position for the wild card, something like that, or even uh, I guess if the Nets, if the Nats came back to the pack a little bit in 2018, they could, they could be battling a little bit there. And a lot of divisional matchups which would make the, uh, the the tension sort of heightened in those final weeks of the season which is a lot of fun uh, as you might expect. Uh, elsewhere, uh, Mike Fultonavich left his Thursday start this week and will probably miss his next outing reportedly. Not a, not a serious thing, more of a precautionary, uh, but you know, you, you never want to deal with a pitcher's hand. That's always sort of a scary thing, and obviously there's no reason to push him right now given the state of the uh, lack of a playoff race, etc. cetera. Uh, sort of had a weird season. I, I would encourage you guys to listen to last week's podcast. If you missed it, we talked a lot about Fultonavich on last week's show with Joe Lucia. Um, with that said, um, he, he's not going to be pitching probably this week, and then we'll see what happens after that. The Other injury thing this week was Matt Kemp had uh, he actually left the game with hamstring tightness. In other words, water is wet. Uh, Kemp is usually uh, not I don't want to say usually, but has been banged up on a number of occasions, um, at least for little pockets, some soft tissue stuff. Um, You can sort of speculate as to whether that how much that has to do with his uh, general shape and his general uh, body type right now. Um, But with that said, it looks like he's going to be at least something to monitor. There's no reason to push him either because the Braves, you know, for better or worse, and we'll talk about this later on in the podcast, um, have, they do owe him quite a bit of money in the next two years. So if they need to shut him down early and take every precaution necessary, hopefully Kemp will be in good shape moving forward, but it's sort of a challenge and definitely an open question right now as to whether he should be playing. The outfield is not really an open question. He's definitely, uh, not a good outfielder, but without the DH, he kind of has to play there. If you have him on the roster, you're paying him. His bat is still useful. You have to play him in the lineup at some point in time. And, uh you know, that sort of gets into the adventure zone with Matt Kemp. Um, sort of a, as a bridge there, John Heyman, uh, for, former CBS reporter and now uh, with FanRag Sports, uh, one of the best um, in terms of uh, breaking news and analysis, that kind of stuff, uh, reported this week that the Braves are likely to shop both Matt Kemp and Nick Markakis on the trade market this winter. That's obviously not a surprise at all, given all of the speculation that we've basically everyone, including us on this podcast, have had. About the Braves potentially moving on from one or both of those guys, um, I did I did think that the, that the report was noteworthy for a couple of reasons though. More with Markakis, and that um, the, the the report quoted um, it actually it just says as follows: it says the Braves uh, quote see Markakis as a fair value end quote for 2018 at about $10.5 dollars, and uh, also that they view him as a solid pro quote unquote. Um, you know, we I, I think we disagree honestly. I think the Braves and I disagree if they really believe that Markakis is a fair value at almost 11 million dollars. I don't think it's an agree. Regis um number because you know it's sort of you kind of know what he is at this point in time he's uh one of those players that isn't going to be uh, necessarily good. He won't murder you either. He does some good things. He gets on base. You know, the defense is sort of an open question. He's, he's pretty bad defensively in my opinion. Um, at the same time, you can at least get, you can get away with him as a guy. It's just sort of the fact that he's not a bargain at all. I don't think he, I don't think he's fair value. The contract is what it was. And um, you know, with one year left, I think you know, that sort of mitigates a little bit. I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a, uh, eight figure player though at this point in time, just because I don't think he's even going to be worth a win this year. Maybe one, one whatever placement which is about what the, what that is so i understand the value and at least the uh, the thinking there but that could be a little bit of spin from the Braves organization uh, the other thing there is that obviously Matt Kemp would be harder to move. According to Heyman, that's not a big surprise given he is owed $43 million. Um, the Braves in this report um, from Heyman basically are, um, at least in Heyman's mind, are going to be reluctant to move to actually pay any of Marqueca's salary because they fa- see him as a fair value. Whereas with Kemp, I think they understand that if they wanted to move off of him and, and really had any desire or any chance to move off of Matt Kemp this year, it's going to have to include um, some, sort of, uh, some, some sort of payback of his salary. So we'll see how much there will. To eat, if they were willing to eat any at all, there in order to get off of that camp, But this is not a great situation in the world when you owe a guy who's probably uh, just barely a fringe, uh, barely a fringe starter, forty-three million dollars over two years. Um, next thing on the agenda, in terms of news, was that the Braves hired two front office executives this week. Um, Adam Fisher, formerly the Mets' director of baseball operations since twenty thirteen, It's a high, he's a highly respected voice, sort of a uh, an analytics guy. I, was, I, I believe he's Harvard educated, that kind of uh, numbers guy. Not a big surprise they would add. Some somebody of that ilk given uh, john capolola's makeup and what he is but uh a pretty uh, my uh, my dealings and my sort of poking around on the internet this week and uh, dealing with people that talk to uh talk to him sort of know him around the mets have been impressed with um adam fisher in the past so that's a positive thing um lastly um perry i don't like I'm, I'm gonna say this wrong but Manazian, Min, Min, I'm going to guess that's what the, that name is. He's a baseball lifer coming over from the Blue Jays organization. Certainly not the, uh, the statistical um, dri- driven guy that um, that Adam Fisher is. But a couple of uh, new, couple of outside influences in the front office is probably not a bad thing at all, given all the uh, turmoil. It's sort of a surprise to me, and it was a surprise to some, that the Braves were even able, able slash willing to go out and make them, make some moves like this because of the fact that there is so so much reported uh, sort of scuffling in the in the front office. How much you believe of that is something that's uh, out there. Um, this week, Dave O'Brien of the AJC referenced uh, something with Brian Snicker uh, early on this season. Well, I guess not early on, but about, about a month um, about a month ago or so, that apparently Snicker did not uh, see eye, to eye with the front office on a uh, on the use of Jim Johnson uh, back in August. Uh, know, at least there was one particular game I believe uh, it was a DOB reference where uh, you know, Johnson basically imploded and kind of gave a, gave the a game away, and the and the front office was kind of uh, agitated that they were uh, that he was used in that spot. Just sort of speaks to the fact that not everybody's on the same page necessarily in the uh, front office and with the manager, but uh, we can talk about the manager later on in the podcast, but something that came to mind there when thinking about the uh, scuffling and sort of the infighting reported, at least in the front office at this point in time. Uh, the last thing from John Heyman, another, this is sort of a separate report, but he uh, indicates that the Braves are still assessing Brian Snicker's status as a team manager. Um, for those of you who are, or are unfamiliar with this, Snicker is not under contract for next year. The, the Braves have an option on him. They can bring him back if they want to, um, but he is not guaranteed any money for next year or or guaranteed to have his job next season. It would not be a surprise to really anyone at this point if they moved on from him, nor would it be a shock if they stayed with him. It's sort of in that limbo area right now. You know, early on in the season, we talked about this a little bit on last week's podcast with Joe. Um, but early on in the season, it looked like the Braves were going to be sticking with Snicker almost certainly. You know, Freddie Freeman going to bat for him was a big moment that was sort of that sort of spurred a lot of uh, articles about um, the fact that it looked like very much like the Braves are going to be bringing Snicker back. But since then, um, his performance has not been ideal. I don't think it's changed much, but the, te- the team sort of went in a the tank there. They have they have played better lately, which. Probably probably helps his status but I think the the front office probably be a little bit more wary of September um, and the performance there given the way that last year went in September and that that, that was probably what got Snicker the job in the first place was that the team played so well in September last year whereas this year they have not played quite as well at the end of the season even even if they get hot hot here for the last two weeks I would hope the decision making process will not be focused on that particular thing um, for the front office Uh, anyway there's not really any momentum reportedly to go outside the organization the two uh, leading candidates according to that Heyman report would be Bo Porter and Ron Washington, neither of which would be a surprise at all, given the fact that they both have managerial experience and they're they're around the team. I, I will say neither one of those guys is necessarily a prototypical sort of Braves lifer, which gives me a little bit of optimism. It's not it's not Terry Pendleton, it's not Eddie Perez, not one of those guys who um, who've been around forever and sort of from from the Bobby Cox tree. But um, you know, at the same time, I'm not overly impressed with the thought of either one of these guys. I will say that I think I would I would much rather have them uh, hire a Bo Porter than Ron Washington. Uh, with that said, I'm not, again, I wouldn't be upset about either one of those guys versus Brian Snicker. I do think that going outside the organization would be a better idea, honestly, but I don't think that's going to happen. There's no momentum to say that it will. I think uh, they definitely missed on Bud Black, for one, uh, last year in hiring Brian Snicker. Bud Black is a much better manager than Brian Snicker. That's just me talking, and that's my opinion, of course. It's not really something that you can necessarily prove, quote unquote, but just the way that they, I think if you watch those guys manage for long enough, you would know that Black is a better manager. Um, you know, it is what it is, but uh, here we are. And that looks like it's going to be Bill Porter or Ron Washington if the uh, Braves elect to make that decision and not go back with Snit. It's sort of up for debate as to how much of an upgrade either one of those guys would be over Brian Snicker. But uh, I do think that they would be better, based, especially Porter. You know, Washington was sort of a frustrating guy. The results were very, very good with the Rangers making two World Series appearances. Um, with that said, pe- uh, some of the people in that market were uh, not happy with him necessarily as a tactical manager. There also are some, off, some off-field some stuff with, with Ron Washington. That you can certainly Google if you'd like to do that. Uh, Bo Porter was uh, was definitely a guy who was respected in Houston. Um, with that said, it, it sort of ended poorly for the, for him with the Astros organization. There were some rumblings there, but he and the GM, Jeff Luna were not getting along very well. But... Uh, Sort of in the inverse of that, um, there's been some reporting uh, on the fact that um, Porter might get along better with John Coppola just because he's probably more more willing to embrace the analytics movement, some more future facing stuff than that of Ron Washington. So uh, in the end, I would like to see Bo Porter if those are my only options. I would like to see the team look outside the organization, but I don't think that's going to happen necessarily. So there is that. Um, with that said, it's going to be kind of all the news. Uh, I, I did mention earlier that the Braves won four games in a row this week. Again, we don't we don't we, we do not know Sunday's uh, outcome at this point in time, but they, they have been playing better baseball, which is encouraging. Um, all the projection models sort of had them in the uh, mid 70s now somewhere in the 74 75 win range which is basically where um, they were projected uh, before the season before, before the season started um, when the season began Las Vegas had the Braves sort of at, as a consensus 74 and a half win over under and they're basically right there at this point uh, on, on pace for that in terms of the models so uh, you know things did not go well there in the middle and uh, that's kind of what it is but at the end of the day it's kind of what people expected and even if it was sort of a frustrating way to get there and we still have two weeks left of course. Uh, moving to the mailbag portion of the podcast, uh, the first one comes from Matt Kreetsberg. I'm sorry if I'm, I'm mispronouncing that, Matt. Uh, would all of the 2018 early season cold venue road games affect the, affect the decision to pick up R.I. Dickey's option to set the knuckleballer would be affected by those games? I can't imagine that it would be a deciding factor, maybe a slight sort of tiebreaker thing for the Braves. All indications, at least that I've seen out there that have been reported and that I've heard sort of off the record even, is that um, the Braves have been leaning toward picking up that option for Dickey. It's a relatively cheap number. It's a seven-figure salary, and for you know, Dickie's not exactly going to blow you away in terms of his effectiveness. But if they're just looking to eat some innings, that'll be the deciding factor. The big question for me is whether they'd be willing to uh, just sort of pick that up and uh, know full well that he could be asked to be in a long relief role. Um, it's it's cheap enough where it's not like it's going to it's, it's going to or break their payroll. Um, for instance, he he's, he'd be making a lot less than, our, than uh, Bartolo Colon was this than Bartolo Colon, Colon was this year to not be on the team for most of the season. So you know, picking up Dickey's option. Was would be a safe way to do it. You know, knuckleballer, the age doesn't really matter quite as much. I do think there's a scenario or uh, at least multiple scenarios probably in which Dickey's not one of your best five pitchers next year, um, but there's certainly a scenario in which he is as well. And if you have him under contract, you can either try to trade him or have him as a long relief guy that just eats innings in spots where you don't want to have guys further uh, their arm out. So it is what it is, but I, I think Dickey is probably going to be back, at least in my estimation. I would, I, I would not be blown away if he wasn't, but I think all things equal, he'll probably be on the roster at least early in 2018. Um, next question comes from Rob, and he asks, if some, if by some miracle Kemp and Marquegas are both traded, would Ronald Acuna and Lane Adams be solid enough outfield options? I do think that if either one gets moved, I think Acuna will almost certainly be penciled in as a starter um, in the corner outfield spot next year. There's no scenario in which... Um, that would be the only option. I do think that Acuna would have to have a good spring training and sort of show what he's, what he's capable of. I think we all know that at this point, but there are some service time issues there. I don't think he's necessarily a situation where he'd be the only option to be penciled in, in a corner outfield spot if one of those guys left. But I think uh, he's more likely to start the season in a corner outfield spot than Lay Adams is. In fact, uh, you know, it I should be said that I'd be pretty darn surprised if the Braves were able to get off both Mark Higgins and Kemp in the same offseason. If they were able to do that, I think Acuna would be starting on one spot, but they would probably have to go outside the organization for the other maybe even Dustin Peterson but I can't you know I, I'm not saying it's impossible but I, I can't really see a scenario where Lane Adams is a full-time starter. Maybe if he's the fourth outfielder coming into the year, that would not be that would not be a surprise to me at all, given his versatility and the way they've liked him on the base pass and sort of with his defense as, as, as their late-inning replacement. But I think you would see NCRT, Acuna, and somebody else and they were able to do that. I think it's still more likely than not that you're going to see one of those guys gone next year, whether it be Kevin Marquez, but not both. Um, I'm happy to be wrong on that. It'd be a lot of fun to see somebody else in those spots, um, based on what we know and the contract situations of those guys, but I do think that uh, Acuna would be much more likely to start um, than Adams would be for next year. Um, next and probably last question on today's podcast I I, I, do, I did say before it's going to be shorter it's going to be a shorter episode but I, you guys can go back and listen to some uh, previous ones the last couple of weeks have not been super time sensitive just because of the fact that uh, the team the team's not really competing for much right now so it's has been more big picture stuff than anything else but uh, here we are um, last question now uh, from at mdubs8 he asks if uh, this is a this is a fake trade proposal he says Julio Tehran Matt Kemp and a pitching prospect or two for Zach Granke to the Arizona Diamondbacks he says who said Says no, this and he says that uh, Arizona would probably be willing to be be rid of that contract, and uh, the Braves need an ace. Uh, this is one of those spots where I can't speak for the Braves, only for myself. I do think that that would be a deal that I don't think the Braves would do, and that I certainly would not do. Um, Ricky has been quite good this season; um, it's sort of a bounce back year for him. But he will be 34 years old before the start of next season, and that uh, more importantly, he has four years left on a contract that averages. Yes, averages 32 million dollars per season over the next four years. Uh, Zach Greinke, if he pitches like he has this year, is actually worth 32 million dollars. Um, but at the same time, that's, there's a lot of risk there for a guy locked into four more years of that. With the Braves' payroll situation, how it is, it's not they're uh, they're they're a, a very very low payroll team, but they're not they're not the Yankees either. And if Greinke were to have an injury or a, or to have a fall off of any sort, you know, 2016 he was not very good. I mean, he was he was okay. He had the ERA on the low fours. And but if you're paying a guy 30 plus million, for an ERA in the low fours you're not getting good value and the Braves really can't afford to have that happen um, I will say if, if you could guarantee me the production of Granke being solid then I think uh, the package of Tehran, Kemp and a, and a prospect would be just fine for that kind of player I don't, he's obviously not going to be a value on that contract but I think if you can guarantee me he'd be even close to this year then sure I just think there's too much risk in a guy at that age for four, for four full guaranteed seasons at that kind of cost especially because also I think you'd be selling low on Julio Tehran um, there is some value Value, of course in getting off Matt Kemp's contract, um, but it's it's only two years of that versus four of Grankey. And if you're throwing in a prospect, which I assume would probably have to be a pretty good prospect, that's a deal that I wouldn't take. It's not terrible by any means because the Braves do need that number one arm at some point, and I think they're I think they're definitely hoping it's going to be an internal. Um, but they've obviously you know kicked the tires on Chris Archer and guys like that. But you know Zach Granke would be that kind of guy. If he was, if he's making $20 million instead of $32 million, then this is a deal that I certainly would be looking at. Um, but at the same time, you know, he thirty two million first season for four more years could be crippling for the Braves. If he suddenly fell off or got injured. And there's just a lot of risk there that I personally would not be willing to take. And that's not, that's not unique to Granky either. I think um, for the most part, you know, those huge money contracts for starting pitchers at length are not good investments. I mean, you have to rely on those guys to stay healthy, you know, short of a guy like Clayton Kershaw, who's been the best pitcher on the planet for, you know, a half decade or more now um you if you take even a step even one step below that you have too much risk for me to be paying these guys 30 plus million dollars a season for long-term money so especially if you're the braves in their situation right now and it'd be tough to make up for that if they were to swing and miss or if granky were to fall off so that's just my opinion you know the braves might consider something like that but i would not do that if i was them. Um. Thanks for listening to the podcast, everybody. I apologize again for the shorter episode today. I do encourage you guys to listen to the podcast. Uh, go back and listen to all episodes if, if you missed them. Please subscribe to the show. Um. Our, we are hosted by SoundCloud, and of course, every single episode of the show is going to be on TalkingChop.com, where I am a writer. Of course, this is the official podcast, so please check out the site every single day. Um. The minor league, the minor league guys are uh, taking a little bit of a hiatus right now, just because minor league season is over. But there'll, there'll be some content there from those guys, and uh, they've earned. They've definitely earned a little bit of downtime here, based on the fact that the minor league season is really a grind with with the daily recaps that I know we get a lot of traction on and I know they're a big hit with our fan base um, so especially the last couple of years with the fact that the team has not been great in the major league level those minor league guys have been invaluable and shout out to them um, please again those subscribe on iTunes uh, that's, that's a huge thing for us leave a positive uh, feedback or review help us to grow the podcast so SoundCloud iTunes slash Apple, Apple Podcasts and then, of course, the website itself at Uh Thanks, as always, for listening, everybody. We'll be back with a guest next week, I promise. I have somebody already scheduled. I don't want to, I don't want to give it away in case, case it doesn't happen, but there will be somebody with me next week. I assure you, you will not have to listen to me drone on for 20-plus minutes, and uh, here we are. So hopefully the Braves won a, a baseball game on Sunday. I don't know that they did, but you guys will by the time you listen to this podcast. And if nothing else, we'll see you guys next week.